Good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta. On February 15th of 1946, the Soviet NKVD raided the home of Ernst Lohmeyer just hours before his inauguration as the president of Greifswald University in Germany. Lohmeyer had survived active duty in both World War I and World War II. He was a New Testament scholar, a theologian. He had resisted the rise of Nazi fascism as a member of the Confessing Church uh, in Germany. But the Soviet occupation of Germany was even more repressive than Nazi domination. And with the exception of correspondence from prison, Lohmeyer was never heard from again. We now have, though, a very rich story regarding uh, the life, uh, disappearance, and execution of Ernst Lohmeyer called Between the Swastika and the Sickle. Joining me right now is Dr. James Edward. He is the Bruner Welch Professor Emeritus of Theology at Whitworth University and lectures widely on theological subjects. Uh, it's great to have you with me, Dr. Edwards. Thank you. Thank you. Nice to be part of this. You know, I, conf- I confess, when I saw the title to the book, the name Lohmeyer, I, it, it rang a bell, but I couldn't remember where I'd come across it. And uh, it turns out that uh, back when I was an undergraduate, I had to go through a collection of essays in a volume called Kerygma and Myth, dealing with uh, <laughs> Rudolf Boltmann's idea of the demythologizing of the New Testament. And Lohmeyer had written one of those essays. So that's the extent oh, of my familiarity. Absolutely fami- super. <laughs> that's the extent of my Way familiarity with him, though. <laughs> oh, I'm so impressed. You're one of the very, very few people. Actually, this is the only thing that he has written that's uh, in English, except for his book on the New Testament. So hooray for you. <laughs> well, uh, well, let's talk a little bit about how you got involved in th- this story. Well, I had never heard of Lohmeyer's name until I was in my late 20s, and I was working on my doctoral dissertation at Fuller Seminary in California, and I ran into his name like I encountered many at the time. There was another source that I needed to consult for my doctoral dissertation on the Gospel of Mark, and Lohmeyer had written a commentary on Mark. It was in German, but it was a very good commentary, and uh, I liked him so much that I tried to find out who this guy was and learn something about him. And there was just this very enigmatic, dismissive, mysterious statement uh, saying that it was uh, a shame Lomar could not see this recent edition of his book because he had been, and I quote here, carried away, carried away mysteriously by a higher power, <laughs> end quote. And that's not your typical... No. <laughs> introduction to a scholarly book. No. It might have been fine for MI5, but um, as I discovered, he had been arrested mysteriously and just simply never heard from again. Wow. And uh, so that was my first encounter to him. Wow. Uh, Was he married, uh, children? I mean, to just disappear like that is very strange. He was. He was was married. He had... um, he had four children. Uh, one daughter had died uh, shortly after birth. A son killed in the war. Another son wounded ser- seriously in the war. But the the Soviets, whenever they killed someone or arrested someone, that person was regarded as an enemy of the state. That was a term they used, mm-hmm. to find. Okay. And anybody who then tried to advocate for that person, 
or inquire about that person or in any way aid that person was him or herself regarded an enemy of the state. In fact, you had an embarrassing so moment over that, didn't you? <laughs> well, embarrassing, yes, from my perspective, but endangering for the East Germans. I was, I was translating for a, a small group of Americans in Greifswald in 1979, and this was in the uh, East Germany in the communist sector, and I r asked the question to this group of uh, church persons who were gathered probably 150 or 200, if anyone knew what had happened to Lomar. This was the city in which he had disappeared. <laughs> and for me, that was an obvious question. Right. Because, uh, but for them, it was it was disastrous. The, the pastor immediately called a halt to this meeting, dismissed people very awkwardly, and took me for a walk, a walk outside of the city. Wow. And that was a way of saying, we've got to get away from listening devices. And he uh, gently re reprimanded me. Uh, that to raise the name of Lomar was to endanger uh, everybody in the meeting because the secret police were certainly there. Wow. And um, I had made a big, big mistake. And it was at that moment that I realized that uh, indeed I had made a, a social faux pas, but it was a crime that a person of Ernst Lohmeyer's stature, intelligence, and and courage, contribution to German life, should be uh, expunged from memory. Wow. And uh, I decided if I ever got a chance, I would try to resolve the uh, disappearance and uh, death of this brave uh, scholar. Let's go back to his upbringing and uh, how he was raised and a little bit about his, uh, you know, how he was formed spiritually. He was born in 1890, and he grew up at a time in which uh, classical education was, at least for the average uh, German who was um, educated, was still the norm of, of um, the educated world. He knew Latin by the time he went to university, probably nearly as well as he knew German. He knew Greek only slightly less bad. Uh, his ability in languages, like many people in that era, uh, was phenomenal by modern standards today. And he had a tremendous education uh, at the great German universities, Tübingen, uh, Göttingen, and finally at the University of Berlin. So when he graduated with a PhD in, 20, in 1912, he was uh, already a, a scholar of uh, tremendous learning and actually uh, of some repute. Hmm. Okay. Uh, did he um, remain an academic, or did he uh, go into pastoral work? He remained an academic. He was ordained as a Lutheran, uh, and but he was an active member of the church. Okay. He would have been happy to remain an academic, and I'm quite certain that he would have remained one for the rest of his life had it not been for uh, the rise of Nazism in the late 30s. In, in the 1920s, he published commentary after commentary, article after article. He was he was famously productive. But in 1930, of course, early 1930s, Hitler came to power, and the dislocation that this created throughout German life, and in many ways, no place more dislocated than the university. The university was just stormed by 
uh, Nazi students in the early 1930s. Uh, Lohmeyer's life ceased to be his own. He now was commandeered by a brutal and an autocratic uh, political system that would change his life as well as German life and, in fact, has changed all of the 20th century in, in Western history. How, how did he become associated with the Confessing Church? Great question. Uh, the Confessing Church was the, uh, the, actually the only public organization in Germany that uh, openly defied Hitler. It was a Protestant uh, movement, and it, um, in, it included almost entirely pastors. Mm. Lohmeyer was a member of the Confessing Church, but he was a professor. And we know some names of these pastors. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a member. Martin Niemöller was a member. Mm -hmm. But we don't know very many professors who openly opposed Hitler. One of the shames, one of the surprising shames of uh, the academic world is how quickly the university system jumped into yeah. the lap of Nazism. Yeah. The famous philosopher it, Martin it, Heidegger. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Well-known Yeah, name. Martin Heidegger is a shameful name in this respect and is not the only one. Emanuel Hirsch, yep. Paul yep. Althaus, Gerhard Kittel. Gerhard Kittel, for um, heaven's sakes, yeah. Uh, yes, every, absolutely. Everybody and, uses um, his theological dictionary, don't they? Uh, absolutely right. And at the very time that he was writing his theological dictionary of the New Testament, he was publishing hate literature against Jews oh. and uh, was very much a part of the German Christian movement, which supported Hitler. So Lohmeyer weighs in um, as a professor strongly opposed to this, and uh, he also ran into a, a buzzsaw of uh, both resistance and retaliation from the university system. What did he, how did he endure through that period? Did they ever imprison well, him? A, yeah. Pardon me? Did they ever imprison him? Uh, yeah, it's a great question. They did not. Uh, Lohmeyer was a well-known scholar. Um, they certainly could have imprisoned him, but they had other ways of dealing with him. They um, stripped him of his professorship, uh. and they attempted to strip him of his doctorate. He had two earned doctorates. They didn't succeed in that. But then they banished him to a very small and out-of-the-way university at, at Greifswald and then uh, drafted him into the army mm -hmm. and sent him off to the Eastern Front where they hoped uh, he would uh, die. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it, was, it was a more bureaucratic form of repression and silencing than it was actually imprisonment that came during the Nazis during the communist years, but it was very effective. Wow, uh, this is an it's an amazing story, and I want to make sure that we get to uh, get make sure we get through to the uh, communist period. Uh, did he remain in contact with his his uh, when he was in the military? Did he maintain contact with his family? Oh, he did. Okay. 
uh, one of the wonderful things about writing this biography of Lohmeyer is the rich correspondence that he left behind. Uh, in World War One, when he was he was in army the army for five years in World War One, four and a half years in World War Two. He spent nine and one and a half years of his life in the two wars. Died at not, he died when he was 56 years old. So wow. he was a remarkably productive person given yeah. the years that he spent in the service. He wrote 2,000 letters to his wife in the ninth, between 1910 and 1920. Huh. And he continued to write throughout his life. Um, this was a pre-email world. Right. <laughs> Dr. Edwards, hold it there. We have to take a break. We'll be back and continue the story of Ernst Lohmeyer. There are lots of great ways to stay connected with Ave Maria Radio, like our Poll of the Week. This week, we want to know, has your diocese removed the general dispensation from ASEAN? Let us know now at AveMariaRadio.net. Scroll down on the homepage and click on Poll of the Week. Good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta. We're looking at the life, disappearance, and execution of Ernst Lohmeyer, a very productive New Testament scholar during the 1920s uh, with the rise of Nazism in Germany. Uh, he experienced uh, resistance uh, through bureaucratic pressure. He was uh, stripped of his professorship. He was drafted into the military, sent to the Eastern Front, the expectation that he'd be killed there. He had been part of the Confessing Church in Germany, which was the only institution that uh, openly defied Hitler. Uh, he endured the—he uh, lived through the Nazi period. Was he ever restored? I mean, because the second—you know, the war ends, the Soviet Union begins exercising authority in East Germany. Uh, right. Well, I don't know if you would say it was restored. Um, the irony is that the Soviets installed him as the president of Greifswald University in the eastern zone of Germany immediately after the war. Already in May of 1945, uh, the war is officially over on May 8th. Lohmeyer has been installed as the president. This was a remarkable fact because Lomar had been a captain, an officer in the German army on the Eastern Front in Russia. Yeah, yeah. And the Russian intelligence system was a very good one. So they knew that Lomar uh, was a, uh, a leader of men, but he, that he was a trustworthy and honorable person. So they made him the president of this university uh, in the Eastern Bloc. So... Um... So he had, how much time did he have then to actually uh, settle in? Well, as it turned out, he didn't have very much. The, one of the ironies of Lomar's life is he, he survived 12 years of Nazi uh, totalitarianism, and he survived eight months of Soviet totalitarianism. I don't know if um, he didn't judge the Soviets as... Uh, accurately as he judged the Nazis, or whether simply he had no control. But he sought to open the University of Greifswald, reopen the university under communist uh, dictatorship as a free university. And mm -hmm. he came to discover that the communists were not 
willing to allow it to be free. It was to be a propaganda organ of the state. Mm-hmm. And since Lohmeyer would not accept that reconstruction of the university, they simply arrested him. Do we have, is there uh, archival material, correspondence between him and Soviet authorities that we've been able to access? There is. uh, That has only been uh, available since the fall of the Soviet Union in 1990 and actually would not be uh, accessible today, but there was a window of opportunity during the Yeltsin years from say 1992 to the year 2000 before Vladimir Putin took over, Mm -hmm. in which the Russians uh, were very transparent and they opened up their systems and uh, their archives and we learned exactly how many Germans uh, were executed uh, and falsely tried, Lohmeyer being one of them. So we have his trial record and really a great deal of information about the final years, the final months of his life. Well, tell me, uh, he just disappeared one day. Was his family informed? No. No, uh, he was to be installed as the president of the University of Greifswald at 10 o'clock on the morning of the 15th of February, 1946. And at 2 o'clock in the morning, that's just exactly six hours before he was, or eight hours before before he was to be installed, the NKVD, which was the precursor of the KGB, uh, stormed his house, um, took him away, and his wife never saw him again. She got one letter from him that was smuggled out two months later, and apart from that, heard nothing for 12 years, until in 1957, she received a one-sentence announcement from the Russian Red Cross that her husband had been killed in Russian custody, where, when, and how, she was not told. Wow. wow. And until 1996, we didn't know. It was a mystery. So what do we know now? Flesh out for us what happened. We know that he was held in a uh, former Gestapo prison that had been taken over by the NKVD. Uh, That's just two doors down from the university. And he was tried. And at his trial, he was not given any lawyer. He did not understand Russian. He could not bring any evidence for his own innocence. And when he was spoken to, he could not refuse to respond. It was a what we would call a show trial, um, a monkey trial that had already been prearranged. And obviously, any accusation was not simply an accusation. It was a cause for death. And he was uh, accused of being a war criminal. And he was then uh, executed, shot in the head on the 19th of September, 1946, but nobody knew it. Again, his wife did not know this until 12 years later. And even when we all knew it, uh, no questions could be raised in communist East Germany because uh, it would imperil, would uh, again uh, imperil anybody who was asked as an enemy of the state. So they imprisoned him and executed him as a war criminal? They did. 
Okay. And I know it's 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 gruesome and it sounds uh, terrible, but you have to remember that the German army on the on the Eastern Front, um, and this is common knowledge, broke every rule of war of international law. Right. The brutality with which the Germans uh, fought the Russians, killed Jews, killed Slavs, uh, indiscriminately, was um, almost indescribable. And Russia had a tremendous uh, need for revenge. And virtually any accusation against a German officer was seen to be true, didn't need any proof, and sufficient grounds for execution. And Lohmeyer was one of those who was unjustly um, accused and executed. Um, had anybody uh, kind of kept the torch burning for him uh, during those years when nothing was known about his disappearance? Did any guild of New Testament scholars get together to remember him uh, in Germany? Right. Wonderful question. Well, the answer is, uh, unfortunately, no. Uh, I think one could say that that uh, Germans did less than could have been done. Many people uh, wanted to know what happened to Lohmeyer. Of course, his wife continued to keep the torch burning. And some members of the faculty at the University of Greifswald did as well. But it's important to remember that to, quote, keep the torch burning for a person who has been executed as an enemy of the state is to, in yourself, become an enemy of the state. Yeah. And so it was a dangerous thing to do. And um, the Soviets were oppressive uh, occupiers of East Germany, and they made life miserable for people who advocated for Lohmeyer. So Lohmeyer didn't have much advocacy. He, his life was uh, blacklisted. There was a blackout on his name, and he was silenced really for 50 years until the fall of the Soviet Union. Hmm. Was there any uh, evidence that he had participated in any uh, atrocities on the Eastern Front? That he participated in what? Was there any evidence that he participated in those atrocities on the Eastern Front? No, there is no evidence. In fact, uh, in my book, I give several um, dossiers of persons who fought with Lohmeyer, who talked about the exemplary character that he exhibited towards Russians. He uh, sided with Jews. He freed uh, Russian prisoners of war unless they were combatants. He sent them back home. Um, he fed uh, Russians in some instances when they were starving with German uh, uh, food. He uh, cut quite a um, profile of a humanitarian um, German officer in a occupied area, and we know this by a number of persons, both Germans and Russians. Hmm. Uh, has there been any uh, apology ever issued from uh, Russia? There has been. In 1996, 
the Russian government gave a complete review of Lohmeyer's file. We got his trial record, incidentally. I was able to read a 50-page trial record, um, which is simply a litany of accusations with absolutely no evidence behind them. Wow. Wow. No names, no dates, no places where these supposed atrocities occurred, just accusations. In any modern trial, this would be thrown out of court immediately right. as insufficient and fraudulent. But in 1996, the, the Russian government uh, gave a, what's called a rehabilitation. It's an exoneration in which they said that this man was a just individual who was innocent of the crimes that had been Accused, of which he had been accused, and he was fully rehabilitated as an honorable uh, German. And he was actually, uh, in a wonderful scene, posthumously then installed as the president of the university in 1996 <laughs> on the very day, 50 years after he had been executed. It was a beautiful scene yeah. of, uh, of uh, victory after a long season of shame. Wow. Will there be any uh, translation of his works uh, th into English, especially his commentaries? Oh, that's that's a great question. I wish that were the case. I doubt that it will be. Uh, if after 70 years they haven't been translated, it would be unlikely that they will be. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm hoping that my book will be translated into German, but whether Lohmeyer will be translated in English is another question. <laughs> well, I wish that your work will be translated into German as well, Dr. Edwards. Thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you for your interest. Uh, Dr. James Edwards, the book is called Between the Swastika and the Sickle, The Life, Disappearance, and Execution of Ernst Lohmeyer. I'm Al Kruston.